Hey, uh, welcome to the uh, original test podcast of Mitch and Dylan's uh, title to be named Dope Ass History <laughs> Shit. Um, today we're talking about what types of drinks, what your what your favorite type of alcoholic drink says about you historically. Yeah. Um, this is Mitch. Hello, everyone. Um, so, yeah. What's alcohol- your full name, Mitch? Let's introduce ourselves right. to the listening public. Uh, my name is Mitch Lore. I am a current grad student at Paul University uh, in the history department. So. Uh, my name is Dylan Shear. I graduated from the history department with my master's at DePaul. Uh, Mitch is smarter than me, though, so I'm just here to say stupid <laughs> shit. Uh, so let's get it started. Um, what your favorite alcoholic drink says about you historically? Most of this is real. Some of this is made up. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably point out, maybe at some point, <laughs> which one's real, which one's not. Yeah. Some of them are a little bit of a stretch too. Um, this is different from like a typical BuzzFeed article. Yeah, BuzzFeed uh, sucks. You're not taking some quiz that says <laughs> we're just telling you the truth. Yeah, this is objective historical reality. Yeah, and since... sorry, all my professors for saying that that <laughs> that exists. Um, but like, since alcohol has been around since pretty much the dawn of time, it started civilization. Without yeah. without beer, we wouldn't have Egypt. Yeah, that's it's... actually probably somewhat true. I gotta stay hydrated when you're building pyramids. Yeah. Uh, That's why people started growing grains so they could, you know, have beer. Exactly. And then agricultural started. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, I mean, we'll start off with if your favorite drink is beer, mm-hmm. um, you are, congratulations, you are a 16th century German monk. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's kind uh, of weird. German for cheers. What is that? Prost. Prost. I don't yep. think that's the Russian version of Cheers. It is? It's not. That's why I, um, I automatically think that it is. I think because of like Pravda, but I don't know. Anyway, we're specifically talking about all types of beer here. A beer here. Uh, not just if you're like into IPAs, still counts. If you're into what other other types of beer, golden ales, uh, if you're into Budweiser, that all means you're a 16th century monk. Yeah, even Natty Light. That's, that's Even that he liked. <laughs> Mitch's beer of choice. Mitch was in a frat at an SEC school, so uh, he only drinks Natty Ice and nothing else. Okay, we go way that's back. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I should put my phone on silent too. Now yeah. I heard yours go off. <laughs> Gotta be careful about that. Um, so it sounds kind of strange, but uh, back in the Middle Ages, um, the monasteries were basically the center of, of life for, for towns. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they're typically called like the Dark Ages, this period, but... It's very rude to call it the Dark Ages. Yeah, so. it's, um, it's very offensive to them. Historians will get pissed at you. Yeah. They get real mad. Um, and in these monasteries, the monks were basically writing a lot of stuff. Um, they well, very, they were like copying other people's stuff. Also foraging <laughs> lots of documents and stuff. And, um, but they were also the best brewers in all of Europe. The only brewers, or were they just like the best ones at it? Uh, they're, I, I don't know if they were the only ones or not. I would assume, you know, you probably had, uh, people making beer in their backyards or whatever, but... First fact-checked of our podcast. Yeah. We're not gonna look it up. Uh, maybe we will, but probably not. Uh, we'll, we'll go back in and, and redub it and, Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll cut over, <laughs> cut and paste over it. Yeah, exactly. Just so people think we know everything. Which we do. We are never wrong. Um, uh, you can check the, uh, footnotes in the description yeah. of, of this podcast. Chicago formatted. Yes, exactly. Uh, what's your, the other one? What's it called? Uh... APA? MLA? 
Uh, never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about. Chicago is what I'm talking about. All right. Yeah. I just got real close to the mic right there. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, you can see it, the volume going up and down. Um, For the listeners at home, giving you a behind-the-scenes look at how a podcast is recorded on GarageBand. Yeah, very exciting stuff. Um, anyway, back to these monks. So, yeah. We're getting drunk. Yeah, along with, like, you know, they've copied manuscripts, they prayed a lot and studied, but they also brewed awesome beer. Um, and they were actually a key source of income for monasteries was from citizens of the community coming and buying beer a supply of beer for them because I mean, beer was safer to drink than water. Yeah, you could don't drink if you ever travel back in time to anywhere outside of like the 20th century or even like post like pre 1950. Like, don't drink the water. Yeah, like, it'll be very very bad for you. Like you'll get dysentery and die. Pretty much. Um, that sucks. That would not be fun. Another reason why alcohol is so important. Alcohol exactly. kills all the germs. Yeah. And when your life is so shitty, when you're living in medieval Europe, and literally you're shitty, dysentery. Yeah. Um, and you're throwing your uh, waste out of your window into the street because you don't have plumbing. Um, you know, the only way to get through that is to drink a lot of alcohol. Exactly. It's why Jesus turned water into wine. <laughs> so people wouldn't die. Yeah. But, um, so we're talking about German monks specifically, uh, because, uh, back in 1516, the German state of Bavaria enacted, um, laws, a series of laws called, uh, Reinhostgebot or something like that. That's the correct pronunciation? That's the, you know, <laughs> That's yeah. the historically accurate pronunciation. Uh, later on, uh, when we're, you know, having millions of listeners and stuff like that, we can have mm-hmm. people... Uh, come on, actual Germans call the show and, and correct Maybe us. they'll make beer for us, too. That sounds good. I'm, Do these I'm... monks still make beer? Yeah. Right, yeah. I took a, I did a summer abroad trip in uh, Brussels. It's in Belgium once. And I drank a lot of beer learned a lot about it. Yeah. That's my uh, lame historian voice, <laughs> uh, just in case you're wondering. Yeah. Um, if you had glasses on, you would adjust your exactly. glasses and, and go for that. I'm doing it now. Yes. Um... So they, these uh, beer purity laws essentially basically limited the types of ingredients that beer could be made out of um, and also set its price in the market and uh, set kind of confiscation penalties for brewers who made quote-unquote impure beer. So, so they're like real serious about their shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, and it's so interesting because it was not only like it was kind of to protect, these are some of the very first consumer protection laws ah. essentially. Um, so who were like, was like, I guess these are like principalities at this point? Yeah, they're all, I was in the Holy Roman Empire and whatnot. Um, it all centered in Munich. Yeah. Um, is where these... So they would send out people to go around, drink this beer to make sure it was pure. Yeah. And then find them if they weren't. So basically the best job ever. Yeah, pretty much. And if like people were selling, uh, beer like at overpriced or something like that, then, you know, that's also against the laws. Yeah, tell that to fucking all the bars I go to. Yeah. You hear that? I'm getting mad. Uh, never mind. <laughs> okay, here's a, uh, a single barrel, one batch IPA, double, not, it's like 10% alcohol uh, beer. Yeah. Costs like 20 bucks. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Should, no beer should cost more than $6. No. I'm going to stand on that pedestal and run for president. There we go. And I will get more votes than Trump on that, yeah. I think. And why do you think I go for Natty all the time? Oh, boy. God, I cannot <laughs> believe you just said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like a... That seems like an actually good job. Like, I can imagine some hipster douchebag right now, like, just wanting to do that and just go around and be like, um, the flavor notes on this aren't correct. 
I'm going to have yeah. to find you $300. Yeah. And I realize my hipster voice is the exact same as my nerdy historian voice, but we're going to go with it. Hey, it works. It works. I'm not, yeah. I'm a historian, not an actor. <laughs> um, so basically, some of like the smaller breweries actually went out of business, and oh. they're only like, they're, they're called like the big six breweries in Munich now. Um, that it's like been the around. original six hockey teams? Pretty much. Great. What are the original six hockey teams? Don't ask me to name them. Okay. The Philadelphia Flyers are not one of them. <laughs> um, it's like the Red Wings, I think. I'm not gonna look it up. Someone some knows Canadian what it teams is. too. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. Um, so it's so like, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's just interesting because like a lot of these breweries got their start as uh, monastic breweries in like the 1300s, and if you look at ones like like Augustiner is one that's been around for. Centuries. Um, are these? And these are still around, correct? Yeah, and it, it was first. It was run by monks for five hundred years, and it until it was bought out um, around eighteen hundred by an oh, actual yeah. company. So yeah. up until eighteen hundred, it was still monks brewing that beer, and a lot of their logos have um, like a monk holding a beer or something like that. Is is their logo? Yeah. Why so. wouldn't they? It's holy. I know. Basically. It's, so I'm. I don't know if you know this or not. Um, what we're like, so this is like how like you can't currently buy Parmesan cheese that's not really Parmesan unless it's from Parmesan France. Yeah. So they had these beer laws. So like, did they, I'm assuming in the Middle Ages, like the types of beer they had were like light and dark, right? Like they didn't have, yeah. they didn't have IPAs. They didn't have, they didn't, I know they didn't have IPAs because of how they were, I know that story of how they <laughs> came around, but they didn't have like stouts, I'm assuming, or like no. blonde ales or anything. Yeah. It wasn't, I didn't have the variety, and it actually became a problem um, in the past few decades. Um, it's really limited the kind of um, beer that can be brewed within mm -hmm. Munich because these beer purity laws are still yeah. around. Um, so that's, so they can't have, they can't have like shandies or something like that with like lemonade beer. Yeah, well, shandies aren't real beer, so well, I'm, it's, it's, yeah. that fact's straight. <laughs> um, but I mean, they've loosened it up a little bit, and there's been a lot more importation of beers yeah. that people have. That makes sense. I mean, those laws were, what, the 1500s, 1400s? Yeah. So yeah, it's ridiculous to still have them around. Yeah. That's, I'm getting on that also political pedestal, that any law from 1500 should not be enforced today in 2016. All that right. seems insane. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, All right, so we covered beer. Yeah. Probably not as in as much detail as... Our many listeners would like to. But yeah, we can go back a... and talk about it later. Beer's a very interesting thing. Someday we'll tell you the IPA story. Right now I'm just going to leave it out there. Mm -hmm. that I know it and you probably don't. There it was go. from it's India Pale Ale because they made it for ships. They put a lot of hops in it so it would stay fresher on the trip from Britain to India. <laughs> that's legitimately how yeah. it is. So, told you anyway. I, I like how you said, oh, that's, we'll save that story for yeah. another time. <laughs> I thought I, when I was saying it, I was like, this is so rude to everybody who's listening, taking their time to listen to this. I should tell them this story. Well, no, that's, that's how we, we tease them and get them to watch or listen to the second yeah, one. Yeah, we tell them we won't immediately and then just immediately do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, every podcast is going to be about alcohol and alcoholic history. Hey, that's, that's good. Like drunk it. history. Yeah. Uh, but just not us not getting drunk. Us yeah. just talking about other people getting drunk. <laughs> uh, it's, it's tale as old as time, pretty much. So, um, so the second, we're going to move on to the new. Because not everyone drinks beer. Yeah. What if you don't drink beer? What if you, you it's, know. I mean, probably historically you'd be dead of some horrible disease from drinking the water, but maybe you drink another alcohol. Yeah. Like, say, whiskey. Ah, whiskey. Yeah. The drink of champions. The stuff I will never touch because it is gross <laughs> and for horrible people. 
Pretty much. Unless it's Fireball, which isn't even real whiskey. No. I feel bad for saying that, because that sounds like something Mitch would say. He, doesn't have... he went to an SEC frat. <laughs> uh, uh, doesn't, doesn't Fireball have like the same chemicals like antifreeze and yep, stuff, too? exactly. All right. That's why it's so good. Yep. I once uh, had a friend who got so drunk on Fireball that he couldn't like smell it again without throwing up. Oh, God. I know. Yeah, it's so distinct that so distinct. it can really mess you up. That's a historical fact. Uh, you can use that in any of your papers you might be writing. So yep. I'm assuming all college students are listening to this in every history program. Yeah. Well, since you have your MA now, mm-hmm. um, you are a certified historian. Exactly. Uh, so you, 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 are, you can talk Anybody about with a BA in history is not certified. Nope. I'm here to tell you that now. Yeah. Go to grad school. <laughs> spend $800 million. Yeah. And several years of your life. Several years. Yeah. Well, just two. If you have to, it takes you two more than years to get you, well, two years or more. No, not, still not what I'm trying to say. More than two years to get your MA. Eh, don't do it, maybe. It yeah. might not be for you. Yeah. Unless you're going part-time, then that's cool. Yeah. There you go. Um, anyway, so if you drink whiskey, yeah. uh, you are... You're an alcoholic. Most so, likely. Yeah. Uh, but you're also... I mean, they're, it's actually pretty much the same yeah. thing. An American Revolutionary War veteran. I'm glad you didn't say Native American. No. that would have been bad. That would... Yep. Uh, <laughs> I just shocked Mitch into silence. I plan on doing that at least once a podcast. It's pretty easy to do. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so after the Revolutionary War, uh, wars are expensive. The military-industrial complex is bad. Yeah. That's the third political point of our podcast. <laughs> um, so, the, yeah, in about 1791, uh, the U.S. was kind of in a financial kind of a, a pickle. <laughs> we just created a new country, uh, yeah. and <laughs> the Constitution really wasn't around. Taxes didn't really exist that much. Yeah, um, but like the best way to get money out of your government is through taxes. Exactly, the, the only way one would say. Yeah, the problem is if you are trying to tax people who just fought a war, uh, where one of your battle cries was no taxation without representation. It's hard. They're not going to really be too happy. Also, everybody's like super poor, and all the sons are dead. So there's no one to work the farms. This is true. Taxes. Yeah. Um, so Alexander Hamilton at the time was kind of star of, of uh, Hamilton on Broadway. Yeah, go oh, check it out. If anyone wants to buy his tickets, we can do the rest of the podcast uh, with uh, Hamilton songs. Look, please, let's singing. not. It's a horrible musical. No one should ever listen to it. It's bad rap. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> the fourth point. <laughs> Uh, that's a, that's a story for another podcast. Yes, we, can, we can discuss. Stuff. Yeah, Mitch, I think likes it. I've I've never heard. That's good. Don't. It. It's not good rap. It's like a horrible like white people rap. But let's continue. Well, I mean, it's probably made for white. It's made for one of white Yeah, they were. Let's not talk about it. Okay. Um, back on to the real Alexander Hamilton, though. Who was like pretty cool. Yeah, and he didn't rap, unfortunately. No, um, fortunately. <laughs> Or maybe he did. There's no, there's no <laughs> recording of it. We, we, we'll never know. But um, he was head of the treasury and decided that one of the best ways was to do a, a tax on all spirits and all liquors. Because um, he was a buzzkill, no fun kind of guy. Pretty much. And because whiskey was the most popular liquor at the time, um, this tax became known as the whiskey tax. Do we know why whiskey was super popular? I'm assuming because uh, it's easy to make? Probably, yeah. A lot of uh, corn, right? Yeah, and people weren't making like lemon vodka, uh, lemon yeah, 
flavored we're vodka. To, we're trying to say about flavored vodkas, man. I'm just saying, um, <laughs> that's not on the list. Like, flavored vodka isn't on the list. Oh, great. But hypothetically, if it was on the list, I'd say if you drink flavored vodka, you're a uh, freshman sorority girl. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in 1950, just to make it historical. Sure. Yeah, there we go. I, I like it. We got to keep our historical grounding. Um, got to keep it. Yeah. So this tax was like really opposed. Uh, it pissed off a lot of people. Yeah, um, and especially on like the the western edge of the country, uh, because a lot of the farmers used kind of leftover grains and corn to make their own whiskey, and they used that kind of to trade with each other as currency. Mitch here said western edge of the country is a nice way of saying Hicktown, USA. Pretty much, specifically like Appalachian farmers. Well, uh, you're from Pennsylvania. I'm from Pennsylvania. And a lot of this took place in Pennsylvania, exactly. actually. Um, you know, those Amish, they, they love their whiskey. They fucking love it. I shouldn't swear like that. I'm so sorry, mother. Um, <laughs> Amish people, like, it's crazy. We'll talk about them on another podcast. Yeah. I'm related to some. Oh, okay. Interesting. That's cool. We can it's bring one like, on. Eh, I'm good. <laughs> okay. Um... So, yeah, a lot of these people who were living on the frontier were actually American Revolutionary War veterans, um, and they had combat experience. And Remembering at this point that the frontier is Pennsylvania, essentially. Yeah. Or Ohio. Pretty much. Um, and they, they got so fed up with this, um, with this tax that they would attack tax, tax collectors, they would prevent them from collecting everything like that. Which makes sense, because the American Revolution was fought, no taxation, no representation. Exactly. And now they're getting taxed, and they're not really getting represented. So, yep. it's not really <laughs> ironic, just logically consistent. Exactly. Um, and so after a few years, um, Washington, George Washington, um, who was president at this time, uh, actually summoned 13,000 militiamen and led the soldiers out into the frontier region of Pennsylvania. Um, ultimately, like the protesters saw this mass of thousands of soldiers coming to stop them. 13,000 to stop a couple of country hicks. Yeah. Well, I mean, those hillbillies. Yeah, those the U.S. Hillbillies. has a long, long history of putting down protests that we don't like. Yeah, true. And I, I, went, to, I went to the University of Arkansas from undergrad, so I've seen the power of the hillbillies firsthand. Yep. You don't, you don't want to be on the wrong side of that. No, you do not. They got pitchforks. Yeah. And tobacco. <laughs> they know how to farm. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it was actually, the, this was the only time that a, a sitting, active U.S. president led troops into battle. Um, and to, to put down this kind of rebellion. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that would never, I can't see like George H.W. Bush, or like George Bush... <laughs> Leading troops into battle on top of a horse, you know, yeah. Bush could barely like stand on an aircraft carrier and look decent. <laughs> let alone much. leading thirteen thousand. Yeah. Jesus, that's so many. Yeah, and especially for like back then, that was a yeah. big. Um, but I mean, part of it is that you have to be able to spread out your troops because you're you're in this frontier region that is kind of sparsely populated anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's harder harder to kind of enforce laws in that kind of um, environment. Hinterlands. Yes. Um, takes me back to Nam. Exactly. Yeah. Mitchell was in Vietnam, <laughs> the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you have Eisenhower who was a general in World War II, but he wasn't, troops. he wasn't leading troops as president. And you got Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Rough Riders. Yeah. Also did not lead troops as a president. Yeah. 
Which is probably good. I mean, we don't really want any more our presidents out on the battlefield. Yeah. Not that, like, George Washington was... I'm not going to... He, like, won what? Like, one battle, technically, that he was, like, leading pre-presidency? Yeah. He's still a good general, I guess. Yeah. If he comes back from the dead, he uh, is uh, in charge of all U.S. troops. True. He's the highest-ranking... Highest-ranking general. Yeah. <laughs> zombie. Yeah, zombie, zombie Washington. Washington. Yeah. Isn't that... Didn't they, like... Uh, who was, like, the guy from World War uh, Two? He's the second... Like, John... Like, not Marshall. Um, Patton? Not Patton. Like, the head of, like, all, like, the U.S. forces. And the Eisenhower. Allied forces. Yeah, Eisenhower is, like, the second-highest-ranking general. Yeah. Of all time. And then they they promoted Eisenhower to that rank, and then they said, oh, crap, that's yeah. the same rank that um, Washington had, exactly. or it was higher. Exactly. And then they, a few years later, they leveled up uh, Washington. The government spends a lot of time doing good, important <laughs> things. Yeah, true. Um, so that's whiskey for you. Yeah, they did stop the rebellion eventually. Yeah. Um, proving once again that the American Revolution was not a revolution, specifically just like... A change in leadership for white dudes. I wrote a paper about that my freshman year of college. I got like a B plus on it. Sounds um, pretty edgy. I'm gonna. That's very edgy, guys. Yeah. I went to a liberal college. Yep. Not even University of Montana is the least liberal school. It's like so. It's like the first time I like met Republicans growing up in Evanston, Illinois. Yeah. So <laughs> hardly, but you know, it's like very cool. Like the American Revolution wasn't a real revolution. Tell that to your high school high history teacher. See what they say about Coach it. Jones, probably. You had, a, you had a football coach. I, I had a football coach for an English class, oh, but not for history. I had a volleyball coach my freshman year. Really? Yeah. Interesting. He would then became the AD. Okay. The assistant director. Not not assistant. Athletic, athletic director. director thank yeah. you. I'm really good at words. <laughs> Which MA is stands for Master of Arts. You're doing a podcast. That's so great. Exactly. Like, so yeah, eloquent. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, hair suit. Conundrum. These are some big words I can pull off the top of my head. <laughs> Defenestration of Prague. We'll do that on another podcast. That's an interesting event. Yeah. Is that with the cats, right? No, it's when I kick the dude out of the window and start oh, like, yeah. uh, a war. Okay. Never mind. Spoiler alert. <laughs> there are. That's, that's one good thing about history. There's no spoiler alerts. Like. Exactly. Unlike Game of Thrones. Where next week's episode, which I've already seen, Lady Stoneheart <laughs> dies. Oh no. Oh no. no. Spoiler alert. Oh god. She's already dead though, so. Can't die again. What is dead may never, never die. die. Oh god. Alright, let's uh, go to the next anyway. one before we dig ourselves into a deeper hole. Um, so if you are. If you drink vodka. Wodka, mm-hmm. um, as the Russians pronounce it. You are a Russian peasant. Hey, spoiler alert. I ruined the <laughs> joke, so I'm so sorry, Mitch. It's okay. Um, Zidoma. This one isn't really... Do we have a specifically historical peasants, or are we just assuming all Russian peasants? We're just assuming all Russian peasants. Of vodka. Yeah. I'm um, going to do a little research here, a little historical research, get you deep into the mind of a historian, and find out when vodka was invented. Okay, do it. Uh, you should talk while I'm doing this, so yeah. you don't get distracted. <laughs> um, actually, I'm going to just go step by step on how I'm going to research this. Um, I googled it, and then I clicked the Wikipedia link. Um, let's see here. We got something about the 1890s. Vodka has been limited uh, to at least having to be 40% ABV, which is pretty high. That's what I'm talking about. Exactly. Traditionally drunk neat. 
Uh, scholar, ooh, this is a contentious debate among scholars ooh. about the beginnings of vodka. Just because there's very, you know, a little historical method available. Yeah. Uh, people are thinking 18th century is really when it started to, like, get its increased alcoholic content, though. It used to be only about 14%. Yeah. For many centuries. Just because, you know, like, like for beer, distillation processes weren't really around. We have some first mentions in Poland of 1405, though. Okay. Which, that works as a date for me. That works, yeah. I was going to say, um, there are, yeah, there's some kind of historical records of Russians drinking vodka in the 1400s. Exactly. Um, they also used it as currency, like the uh, American people on the frontier. Oh, interesting. Uh, whiskey. We also so. have 1386 is another reference point. That's aquavitae, which, spirits of life... Maybe a little bit of vodka. But if yeah. you're Russian, vodka does give you life. There we go. Um, so yeah, we, I, we, we picked Russian because it's... Uh, I just well know that this, it's their it's favorite like their drink. It's like the Russian national drink. It's Russian yeah. water. Pretty much. And um, I'm going to pull out a quote here. Please do. For you. Um, Tom Knott, who's, uh, who's writing for... Um, see, the, the Guardian... Oh, actually, a great paper. Yeah. Check out Jeb Lund's articles on just about anything. Okay. Same with uh, Lindy West, is also a great Guardian writer. Mm, interesting. Um, saying that, quote, Russians have considered drinking part of their culture for over a millennium. And in that article, gave uh, some, some statistics that, according to researchers, the average Russian today drinks 20 liters of vodka per year. In comparison, the average Brit... Uh, drinks three liters of any liquor per year. Can you imagine drinking ten two-liter bottles of soda, but just filled with vodka? No. That's so much vodka. Yeah. That's wolf. I mean, I like like any person. I love a good vodka cranberry, but ten liters worth of just the vodka part. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, that's a that's lot. So much. I let me tell you my favorite historical vodka story. This comes from um, post-World War II, so Cold War era. Um, the Russians, of course, were, they were trying to beat us in manufacturing. They were super, but they just couldn't do it, and they couldn't figure out why. So they did all this research into it, and they found out people weren't working just because they were drinking constantly all day. So they just, everyone was just drunk in the factories, oh and they weren't making stuff. They were just <laughs> shitty. So they had to like cut down like the vodka that the... <laughs> The sponsored vodka rations took like oh two uh, like shots a day, so what six ounces a day, and that event that helped a little bit, uh, but people were still sneaking around, of course, yeah. just because they loved their vodka so much. And living in communist Russia was like a shitty, shitty place. So yeah, they had well, to drink. The best place to get hammered is in a dangerous factory um, where machines oh, are yeah, crushing yeah, yeah. things, and you have furnaces probably going. Yeah, that's, that's the best place to And especially like around. a 20th century Probably. Russian yeah. facility where, you know, not everything's probably up to code. No. There's no, uh, like, there is labor, no code. like, Department of Labor to, like, keep you around. Yeah. No OSHA to protect you. Yeah. Workers of the world unite around vodka. <laughs> around vodka, yes. <laughs> There's also, there was something like, um, so, like, vodka and alcohol, I think, if I remember this correctly, can also have, like, a deleterious, that's not how you pronounce that word, uh, effect on your uh, sperm count and your ability to uh, make kids. And so Russia's population in post-communist Russia was going way, way down. Wow. Um, part of the reason they couldn't figure it out was because people were like drinking so much that they just couldn't have kids. 
it was like like the men were like getting, so like it was just hurting like their reproductive abilities <laughs> and so and they're like they were losing population their population wasn't going up so they had to that's also one of the horrible effects that uh, alcohol has had that and like liver cancer like massive <laughs> amounts of cirrhosis in russia wow. because of their vodka consumption yeah um, not even Irish drink that much. I'm like, that's like the stereotype of the Irish. People. Yeah, seriously. Um, compared, yeah, three compared to three liters of any Anything. liquor. Like, yeah. Yikes. That's a lot. I had like a double gin and tonic last night, and I was like, okay, <laughs> that's not true. I had a beer. Yeah, I was about to say double gin and tonic would not be. No. You can't drink gin straight, really. Uh, I just bought some that apparently you can. It's gross. I tried it. Never do it. It uh, is like, ugh, spicy. Yeah. Not as bad as tequila. Yeah. Um, Vodka's still great. It goes with anything. Good for cleaning. It does. It doesn't smell. Yeah. Uh, screwdriver's a great uh, drink with breakfast. If you're an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of other... There's like good historic... Because like, vodka's so easy to make. It's like the easiest... But you can go blind if you don't distill it a lot. Yeah. It's basically moonshine, just like less volatile, like less likely to kill you. Yeah. In, uh, in the movie The Great Escape, which takes place in a, a, a POW camp in Germany, World the War II. The documentary movie The Great Escape. Yeah. Um, they make uh, vodka out of potatoes. And so I don't know if that's if they really did that. I know that a lot of the, the movies actually pretty... Yeah. pretty I mean, no, potato vodka is real. There's potato, yeah. there's beet. You can make vodka pretty much out of any like vegetable any that grain, you leave out really. in the sun long enough. Yeah. <laughs> so Russians have all kinds. They have beet vodka. They have like cabbage vodka. Uh, that's probably brunettes. That's probably the same thing as. Uh, that's like the cheapest one that I can uh, think of. Okay. Yes. I don't know all these fancy Russian words. I'm not a communist like my dear <laughs> compadre. What's the? That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, what's what they think? Comrade, my comrade, dear comrade, yes. Mitch. Guys, once again, I've proven myself to be good at words. Are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, hey, hey, my guy. Oh, God. Don't, he's coming at me already. We're like two, like, uh, Waterloo and Napoleon. Two generals what? at the top of our games fighting each other. I'm just trying to make it more historical. You said Waterloo and Napoleon. Did they not fight? Waterloo wasn't a general. He Waterloo was the name of the battle. God damn it. Uh, I don't know. It was who the, the Duke of Wellington. Duke of Wellington. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. The Duke of Wellington. Um, his name being, of course, Duke Wells. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, uh, that's how he's known as. In every history book, they just refer to him as Duke of Wellington. He, I, I don't actually know his real name. I, I can't believe. I'm so sorry to our listeners um, that I just said Waterloo was the name of a general. I apologize. Yeah. For that fact. I know. Got to get my references better. Arthur Wellesley. Okay. The first Duke of Wellington. I'm assuming he's the guy that we're talking about um, just because he was the first Google result. Yeah. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. GCB, GHC, PC, FRS, KG. That, those are all his titles. Okay. KGB. Yeah. KGB. CIA, yes. NSA. Anyway, let's go to our next one. one. All right. Instead of me just rambling about <laughs> vodka. All right. So the next uh, liquor is gin. Oh, my and favorite. There's, the there's, favorite spirit. Yeah. There's two kind of ways we can go with this. Um, the one that I think of is is kind of an 18th century Londoner. Um, 
because there was there was something called the gin craze that occurred in in London in the uh, in right around the seven seventeen hundred. Um, gin was first created um, after the Glorious Revolution in in England that happened from sixteen eighty eight to eighty nine, um, which puts the basically where the English were fed up with having Catholic monarchs, mm -hmm. and they literally invited. Uh, William of Orange from uh, the Netherlands to come over and conquer uh, England. Which, if I remember correctly, he could not speak English? No. No? Yeah. Yeah. They, but I'm... Like the Hanoverian kings, like G George First, Second, and Third, um, didn't speak a lot of English. Yeah. George III spoke a, de a decent amount mm -hmm. of English, but I think he was still brought up learning German first um, and English second. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting, um, but basically to celebrate um, King William's uh, ascension to the throne, the uh, all the distillers of England started putting, um, what's it called, juniper flavor into their neutral spirits, which are essentially, it's essentially it's vodka. Gin, of course, just being juniper flavored vodka. Pretty much, yeah. Because um, that was, juniper was William's favorite flavor. Of Interesting. Yeah, so that was to celebrate. From the juniper berry. Yeah. And thus the gin craze took hold of the country. Um, so it was it was so widely drank that historians have estimated that the average person drank 14 gallons or 53 liters of it a year. Holy Christ. Yeah. Um, that's so much. That's <laughs> <laughs> um, worse than Russians, and Russians yeah. are Russians. Yeah, um, only drinking vodka. Yeah, gallons of gin. I mean, gin's good. Don't get me wrong, but that's a lot of gin. Yeah, and they weren't even mixing it with tonic at this point. Uh, They're just drinking straight up gin. Probably. Like, what about gin probably. juice? I don't know. They, did juice exist at this point, like in a, a widely available quantities? I'm assuming not. Probably not, because um, refrigeration techniques weren't great. Yeah, and fruits were very hard to, to get. Exactly. They were very expensive. So a lot of probably... vitamin C deficiency. Especially yeah, scurvy. If you're the ocean. Scurvy was bad. You gotta oh, get yeah. your uh, your limes, gotta get your uh yep. cabbage, your coleslaw. Right? That was the thing that like stopped I'm pretty sure. Because like dark like greens have vitamin C. There's yeah. a thing that like Captain Cook, like when he was sailing around, like they had, they like the invention of like coleslaw or some sort of pickled like cabbage or something, some kind of pickled animal is really what saved them from all getting scurvy. Interesting. Yeah. Weird. Um, so in, in England, there's actually a record of a woman named Judith DeFore. De um, Not was, Judith DeFive. No. Very important. <laughs> very important. That was a terrible joke. Also. Thank you. Uh, Judith DeFive is <laughs> a real person. <laughs> um, but she's reported to have uh, killed her two-year-old son and then dumped his body and then sold the clothes in order to pay for more gin. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fucked up. <laughs> Parliament tried to pass five different acts that would, bear in various means, mm -hmm. uh, kind of curb consumption of gin. Um, through like taxing, raising taxes on them. Uh, but it wasn't really until the mid-1750s that gin, gin cons consumption was finally reduced. Uh, because the price got so high that people yeah. really couldn't buy it. They well, I'm sure, like, it. the gin, like the juniper, like, farming industry wasn't huge and couldn't meet demand. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. It takes a fair amount of juniper to make gin. 
Yeah, and there was also factors of like I think there was also a bad harvest of mm-hmm. like grains yep. that year too. That just kind of overall um, quantity was went down. Yeah, that's so much gin. I know. And Fifty-three so, gallons, you said. Yeah, that's like more than what you put in a gas tank. Yeah, and that's and that's what that's what my source said. So. Um, and also, I need to, to kill your son, your little baby boy, yeah. and then toss his body off into the river and sell sell the clothes uh, to get more gin. Um, and that's pretty bad. It's not bad. Yeah. I mean, they cut off Cromwell's head so they wouldn't have a Catholic in office anymore. Yeah. But so well, he wasn't. Same thing. He wasn't Catholic. He was. Um, it's Protestant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guys, but, I'm really good at history. <laughs> There, I mean, that that period, there was so many, such a high turnover of monarchs and stuff. It's, it's hard to it's, keep track. It really is. Um, but, like, the other option for gin could be, like, your uh, Prohibition era. Exactly. Your bathtub gin. Yeah. Your rock gut gin. Yeah. So, like, a Prohibition era Chicagoan. Yeah. Uh, drinking gin in a speakeasy would also, it's my preferred. Um, what is it? Uh, not vantage point, like reference point for gin. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, I mean, we're in Chicago right now. We're not allowed to keep it a secret. Yeah. I think our millions of adoring fans are going to track us down. <laughs> but it's an easy, relatively easy uh, alcohol to make, which is why people were able to make it in their bathtubs. Just because it doesn't have to go through all like the sitting time that whiskey does. Uh, it's pretty drinkable um, almost immediately, unlike with whiskey or scotches or things that you're supposed to let sit down. Yeah. For a while. Not that everybody does. I mean, you can, of course, drink whiskey. So stay age it in the barrel. Exactly. Stuff. But when you got a bathtub and a stopper, you can make gin. <laughs> uh, people did get, get, go blind because yeah. if you don't distill it right, um, you're drinking basically wood grain alcohol, <laughs> which isn't good for you and you shouldn't do. Uh, but people, I mean, they couldn't make it legally, so... And there weren't there wasn't Wikipedia around at that time to learn how to make it yourself. So sometimes people make mistakes. Yeah. Oh God. And it happens. But bathtub gin is a real thing. Um, just because you need a large chamber to make it, otherwise it's not cost effective. Just to make it in your sink. You yeah. Know? Or a bucket. Just or a wood stump. I wonder if the gin would take on properties of like, like metallic or, or like porcelain. Yeah, you can <laughs> the, tell porcelain versus brass or whatever. Bathtubs. Of the, of the bathtub, it would wear off on chemicals receiving exactly. the gin. You never know. Yeah. That's what's... Yeah, there's some crazy stuff that happened during Prohibition, specifically with alcohol. I mean, obviously with alcohol, because it's Prohibition. <laughs> um, like, people would sell, uh, like, make-your-own-wine packets to get around the law, which is, like, it was essentially, like, compressed, like, grapes or whatever, like, and... It was, like, made, like home brewing kits you could buy through, like, the version of, like, the Sears catalog. Whatever, so like you just have to put it in water and let it sit for a super long time, and it would turn into like toilet wine. And yeah. People like buy this stuff up just to get it around <laughs> the law. You gotta get the drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Prohibition's interesting because in certain parts of the country it really was enforced, but uh, from my understanding, like the majority of the country it wasn't really yeah, exactly. enforced. Like if police caught you or something like that, it's more of like a slap on the wrist, mm-hmm. saying like, "Oh, don't do it." Yeah. Um, and so people were still able to get around that, and the average person could drink oh, yeah. still pretty easy. easily. I mean, people, when they think of, like, speakeasies, they think yeah. of, like, these super secret, like, locations. But everyone knew where they were. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, cops wanted to drink, too. Like, 
cops are like these like mythical human beings who are like immune to wanting to drink alcohol. Yeah. Like they just gave him a couple of bribes. That's how Capone got around all that stuff. Pretty much. Until the damn IRS got involved. Oh man. Ugh. I hate those guys. I hate that fucking internal revenue service. The, the biggest villains of history. The IRS. That is garbage. <laughs> what do they have to do with Al Capone, huh? Oh god. Nothing. Same with why does the Secret Service run through the Department of Treasury? I don't get it. Are they? Yeah. Weird. It's a dumb thing. It is weird. <laughs> makes no sense. Um, wow. So those are your two gen options, depending on what you want. We give you choices. Yeah. We're, we're a, very accommodating to our exactly. fans. Yeah, we love you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're the best. Um, we got any more on the list? Yeah, there's one more. Oh, um, it's kind of a, a little bit out there. Yeah. Um, Ooh, a little bit out there. If you drink wild, absinthe... Weird, wild stuff. Because everyone loves absinthe. Everyone drinks it. It's the most common drink. Out, mm-hmm. you know. I've I, had it three times this last week. Absinthe, I like to <laughs> refer to it as. You are a pretentious uh, intellectual of the fin de siècle. Ah, fin de siècle. Uh, fin de siècle. Fin de siècle. Um, or as the common barbarians um, refer to it as the end of the century, turn of the century. Or fin de siècle. Yeah. Um, so basically right around 1900, roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go 1880s to pre-World War One, The eve yeah. of World War One. Yeah. Um, so basically this is when absinthe really took off. Um, and there's like lots of paintings about it, uh, where people just kind of look sad and cause it was, it was reported to, uh, make you hallucinate from the wormwood. Yeah. Being I a legend. <laughs> and it's just, it's a weird green liquor. Um, but yeah, so it really originated in Switzerland towards the end of the 18th century. Uh, the uh, Swiss notorious for hallucinating. Yes. They, they love their chocolates and hallucinations. And banks for murderers and neutrality. Neutrality. Yes. Um, so it was. I mean, it was. It was a fav- favorite drink of a lot of famous intellectuals like James Joyce, Edgar Allan Poe, Victor Hugo, right? Yeah. 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 Victor Hugo drank a lot. Of Mitch sounds so drink. surprised whenever I get something right. <laughs> Good for you. Thank Aww. you. Uh, Waterloo was you. a famous general, and Cromwell <laughs> was Catholic. Yeah. Um, but it was it was kind of it was loved by these intellectuals because it was supposed to make you hallucinate kind of and they mm-hmm. kind of wanted that as it's cool to do drugs guys yeah. <laughs> open up your mind tune in turn out drop out that's not right tune in turn on drop out uh, this podcast is officially rated PG thirteen bang bang boy well, you said fuck more than once True. so it's rated officially R. rated R oh, God. explicit warning on iTunes. <laughs> Uh, perfect. Um, but, yes, but it, it kind of fell out of favor because it started getting blamed for a lot of societal problems. Um, people even thought that drinking it would turn your skin green. Ooh, like eating carrots turns your skin orange. Yeah. Um, but not real. <laughs> uh, but it makes you see in the dark really well, right? It's true, yeah. Yeah. Absinthe does, not carrots. <laughs> Absinthe also cures, you know. Everything else. I mean, yeah. it, makes, it just makes you feel Which better. Which is why it's illegal in the United States, because we can't have good things. Not anymore. I thought it was, isn't it absinthe with wormwood is still illegal? Or Maybe. Has that, that changed? Um, outside of, like, New Orleans? I'm not sure, I mean, No but... one drinks absinthe in the U.S. outside of New Orleans. Yeah. 
to uh, refer once again to my Brussels trip, there was an absinthe bar there. And it was very cool because it was so complicated to drink it, which I think is what is important about alcohol is it's complicated to drink. Yes, absolutely. You had to like put a spoon, a special knife spoon <laughs> and a sugar cube on top and then pour it over. Ugh. Yeah. Anyway, absinthe yeah. is cool. It's, it has a weird taste too. It's, it's like licor- licorice. Yeah. Right? Black licorice, I believe. Being yeah. The primary flavor. But I can't remember if that's because Jaeger is also kind of a liquor. Which is also why it's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> we can look. Yeah. So, like, don't drink absinthe. Historically, you would have been kind of cool, I guess, if you're like Victor Hugo or any of these guys. Yeah. But you're not Victor Hugo. Uh, so, don't drink absinthe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't even. It's kind of made a little bit of a comeback in the past few decades, but it's actually kind of interesting why that is. Um, in like the 1990s, uh, a British importer of different spirits realized that the United Kingdom never formally banned absinthe. Um, oh, it just they, I guess they did other means to kind of phase it out, or just because of societal pressures made it uncool to drink yeah. or whatever. Um, and so they just started importing it, and it kind of slowly crawled back from its obscurity. Hmm. Interesting. There's a, there's some, there's some really cool actually like cocktail history. Like, the development of certain cocktails and things. And there's also been some in the U.S. that have made comeback like that as well. Specifically, like, different flavors. Like, bitters is currently yeah. going through a comeback. Because all these cool, like, bar bartenders want to make the new, like, Cuba Libre or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they're experimenting with all these new things. Yeah. We'll go on to another podcast about, like, the development of, like, the Manhattan. It was yeah. in all, like, these, like, fucking upper crust, like, hotel bars that all these new drinks were invented. Yeah. And now, nowadays... Um hipsters sit behind bars twirling their mustaches coming up with the next great cocktail that they can exactly uh, we're denigrating hipsters a lot i mean unfortunately i probably could be described as one may not look like one but you know my tastes run toward what is considered hipsterish which doesn't even mean anything anymore as a word yeah it's it's become pretty diluted but um and that's all the the drinks i have oh well that works for me i think we're good on time yeah Perfect. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Uh, we love you all so much individually. Uh, tune in next week when we discuss something else historical. Yes. I'm Dylan. I'm Mitch. And this is fucking through. <laughs> <Come on. laughs>